by the numbers is back here on CKCC Radio. Happy Monday morning to you listening out there. My name is Matt Durline, back with another edition of the show that takes a journey through my referee book as we talk about all the matches I have ever refed or stunts I have refed, and we'll get to that in a minute here, because my guest this week goes way back with me. We're talking like 20-plus years. Joining me on the show is the Mastodon, Rosh. Welcome, Rosh. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, thanks for joining me for uh, the second round of this, because the first time we did this, the audio sounded like shit. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you try to do it on the road in the car. Uh, so this time we're stationary, so we should be good. The, the last time I did one of those, uh, the Impeccables were on with me back in the winter or early spring. And Kita was driving uh, from, I think, Burbank back to Los Angeles. Oh, my word. <laughs> and um, it, it came out as well as you'd expect it to. And we didn't have a chance to do a retake. And then we were all on video. And Kita's just, like, walking around L.A. Like, we were on a guided tour of Los Angeles. It was hilarious. <laughs> speaking, speaking of the impeccables... Yesterday was the Frank Trotsky Tag Team Tournament at the Sanctuary. Uh, we came up with the final two teams. The final two teams will face off on the 25th at our upcoming Sanctuary Mania 10. The 10th season Sanctuary Mania will have the finals of that tournament, which will be Team 1 and Team 2, and I'm not going to blow the spot. Yeah, because if we record this on Wednesday and then shit goes south on Sunday, Impossible I will... Sanctuary show. <laughs> I will be at the beach, unable to fix it. <laughs> yeah, and, let's 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 not risk that one. Yeah. So, congratulations to the final two teams. I must have uh, missed the memo about it being the final two moving on to Sanctuary Mania, which is the next show, July twenty fifth at the Sanctuary Sun Studio in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Uh, rather than an introduction, because that's the standard for the show, and you talk about your wrestling career and whatnot. I'll allow you a few moments here to introduce the sanctuary. So the sanctuary is like no place else on earth. It is an old church that has been retrofitted with three old wrestling rings that have been turned into stages. Um, it's actually not professional wrestling. It is stunt fighting, uh, according to the state of Pennsylvania and the Commonwealth. And we are not under uh, jurisdiction of the State Athletic Commission because we are uh, operated and directed by a SAG-AFTRA recognized stunt coordinator. Um, so we're a show about a wrestling show and the wacky antics that happen both in stage and behind stage. And our performers our stunt fighters um, behave in ways very similar to professional wrestling, but in many ways, very different. And, and we try to run shows pretty uh, inexpensively too. Um, it's a learning experience for all. Yes. And I recently, just a couple of weeks ago, finally had the chance after years and years and years of not being able to make it up there, finally had my first uh, safety official experience at the sanctuary. And that's going to be the last um piece of the puzzle here tonight that we talk about. Uh 
but I will say it's unlike any other building I have performed in. And if you have the chance, uh, the shows are like five bucks that are on Sundays. So you are not taking a big gamble by making the trip up to Hazleton and checking the show out. It's a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. But before we did all that, we spent a lot of time together in WXWC4 based out of Allentown, Pennsylvania. Which is funny because a lot of these matches are not in Allentown that we're going to talk about here today. Yeah, they're kind of scattered all over. WXW was a little mobile back in the day. It was about a good two-year stretch that we were uh, interwoven there. Yep, and uh, all the matches we're going to look at here today are from 2012 to 2014, all of them in WXWC4, and then also we have the one stunt fight to talk about from, at this point now, two weeks ago, uh, on the airing of this show. So, let's start at the beginning. We've known each other since the year 2000, approximately. Approximately, yeah. It's been a long time. I've known you and the whole Valley crew my entire adult life and then some. However, we did not share a ring with each other until May 19th of 2012. This is the first match that we worked together in the book. Match number 586, we are at the former Eleanor Rigby's in German, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. And you are taking on the man that would become Danger Jameson in match 586 in the book. So this was James' first official match. He had done another match a couple nights prior, uh, coming out as Joe Gomez. It was a knockoff Joe Gomez, and Alpha Junior press slammed him from inside the ring to the outside. So that was his first match. I was his second. And I was just a little bit nicer than Alpha Junior was, but barely. Um, James had like family and friends there to see him. Like this is his first, he's got his little wrestling gym pants and his wild Simone training center shirt on and his wrestling shoes and his wrists are taped up and he's shaking. And at the time we were pretty deep into the culture of charisma, which was myself, uh, supremely great and TDS August, right? The, uh, the triumvirate of evil, um, and we were undercard bullies at WXW. We just picked on everybody who wasn't involved in anything. We were just little brats that ran around and did a bunch of stuff. So I ended up working a lot of squash matches. And since it was James's first match, what better way to get your feet wet than to just go out there and sell, right? And around that time, uh, a lot of you got a lot of the old Valley crew started coming up. So I think at that show. We also had Brad made his WXW debut, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he um, did, because it was local for us. Now, I had been in WXW for about five years at this point. Uh, however, this was probably the closest show to me geographically at that point. And um, Brad teamed with Tuck Hansen that night as yeah. like a, as like a makeshift Diamond City Kings, because Tuck was coming around a lot as well. Yeah, and, and I remember Sam was going up that way, and I was like, hey, do we have anybody local up there? And he was like, well, Gus, but Gus lived in Shahola, which is, like, not local at all. 
So I was like, well, let me call a couple guys I know. And you know me, I'm always trying to make avenues for, for longtime friends of mine. And, um, yeah, we were able to get everybody up there. And I got James in what was supposed to be a really short squash match. But I didn't just want to kind of bury him in a, in a two-move squash match. So I did the old free shot gimmick. So I'm standing in the middle of the ring, and I'm just, you know, bullying at him. I had the mohawk, and I was just looking down at him and grumbling and growling and probably just cussing and saying a bunch of gibberish. And um, I looked at him, and I said, free shot. And we, we talked, talked about it in the back, and I was like, James, I was like, I'm going to give you a free shot. I was like, don't miss. He's like, well, I want to hit you. I was like, don't miss. I was like, I'd rather you tater me than miss. Foreshadowing. So we're out in the <laughs> ring. <laughs> we're out in the ring, and and I'm like, all right, kid, free shot. And he's about like six, eight inches off. And I was just, I was a little, I wasn't mad. I was disappointed. <laughs> so I gave a good old nasal sigh, and I looked at him. And I, I didn't register it. I didn't sell it. I wasn't going to sell something that was so blatantly off. And I looked at him. I said, you missed. And I probably said something mean like you dumb fuck or something like that. Do it again. So he wound his hand back, and it was shaking. And he swung, and he missed again. And I was like, shit. And I just hear Trotsky, who's standing out ringside. I remember he had this, like, sequins jacket on, like, suit and tie jacket and this, like, top hat. Like, he just looked so ridiculously over-the-top Trotsky. And I just hear him start yelling, kill him, kill him, kill him. And I was like, all right. And I clotheslined him, and I think I clocked him pretty hard across the face. I busted his nose open. Um, And then I picked him up and DD'd him. And I guess we excessively did it a couple more times or something. I don't, I don't yeah, you you could say that. I may have actually come out and said, hey, no, seriously, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> we we just got in the mood, you know, every once in a while, especially with, like, the, the younger guys. Because they knew, because we were in there training with them. They, they knew that, you know, we were just having fun. But, um, yeah, it was it was hard to, to not hold back. But I, I will say that I love – what James has turned into. I love Danger James. I would love to see promoters bring him on, not even to wrestle. Just have him come out and do really shitty stunts and use it as a build to him eventually wrestling. And I promise you, if you let that kid do what he's doing, what what his vision is, it's entertaining. There's no reason he shouldn't be on, like, a Sanctuary or a Leapfrog or especially any, any of these, like, pro wrestling magics. Any of the ones that is doing cinematic storytelling needs to have Danger Jameson. And I promise that he doesn't miss his punches anymore um, because I made sure of that. <laughs> and I just remember this night because James had been the sound guy for years while he was training. Yes. And it was finally James's turn to make his <laughs> debut. And he was so excited and so nervous all at the same time. And I was going to echo everything that you said here, because what James has become as Danger Jameson is a real treat. It is so brilliant. He's fantastic. I love that kid. Uh, he was one of the, he's just one of those guys that it took him a while to figure out what he was but once he did he nailed it and and i've never doubted that for a minute 
Um, love the kid. I really hope he gets back out there. And if he does, book him. Absolutely. And we are moving now from one end of the experience spectrum to the other. As a few months later, September 8th of 2012, we are at the Moose Lodge in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. And you are wrestling, not in his first match, but probably like his sixth or seventh thousandth match, the Great Samu. It was match 611 in my book. I am not worthy to lace the man's boots. Uh, plus, I don't think you could find him. He only wore them like once and said that wasn't for him. <laughs> um, Bloomsburg is as close to a hometown show as I'm going to get. Uh, I live about 10 to 15 minutes outside of town. Um, and this is one that I, I just, I just really wanted to have a show at home because so many of the people that I grew up around don't travel. Like I tell them I'm in Hazleton, it's $5 and they're like, Oh, it's too far away. Huh? Come on now. So I wanted to do a show in bloom and Sam's like, all right, you know, get, give me some options. So I got a sponsor. I got a venue. Um, we got a cool after-party gimmick set up uh, at the Quaker Steak and Lube, and we were trying to figure out what all to do. And I'm still in the culture of Christmas. I'm still, I'm still like a, a heel. I'm an undercard heel, and I'm going to my hometown. I can't work babyface. I, I, we were with a culture of charisma. We were walking around, pointing at our crotches, telling people to look at it. I mean, that was the brand. That in sequence. So I couldn't go home and be a good guy. And the only way I could really effectively be a heel would be to let Sam kick the shit out of me, which is what I deserved. So I got to beat up a chicken at the beginning of this night. Um, RJR in the Quaker Steak and Lube coop costume. Um, RJR is another one of my favorite people in the business. He's done so much for me, especially under a mask. But he uh, he was coop, and they let me beat up coop. And then that set up me and Sam, and I got to work Sam. I do remember just being absolutely petrified because up to this point, I had never worked a name. And honestly, since then, I haven't worked a name. Samu is, I don't know if I could ask for a much higher profile. I mean, the guy's part of the greatest family in professional wrestling, and he's been one of the greatest people to me. So it was just such an honor to get to work with him. And then to have you in the corner, too, that was fantastic, man. Um, I'm glad you were there for the Bloomsbury shows. And Sam was, well, they call him Sammy Silk for a reason, because that's how working it was. Um, it was a whole lot of duck one, trust me. Yeah, and that works for most people. I've seen it not work out very well before, but not in this case. Because we, we Sam is so easy. So easy to work with. Sam was one of the first people that ever got it through my thick, 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 thick skull that it doesn't have to be hard. That you you don't have to overthink this stuff. You you just gotta just feel it and do it. Like I can't I can't put into words what Sam and Trotsky and Pops have taught me. But really, Sam was the one that could drill it through my head because I don't listen um, to pretty much anybody. But Sam really got me to listen to it doesn't have to be hard. Just keep it simple. And I worked that match with him, and I, I was nervous. I didn't want to disappoint him, but it was so smooth and simple and perfect. I mean, not perfect, but, like, 
perfect for what it needed to be. And I always enjoyed these Bloomsburg shows because my wife grew up in Berwick. So in, in a way, it kind of becomes sort of like a hometown show. Uh, in a sense, just because I have a connection to the area, her dad still lives in Berwick, her mother lives in Northumberland, which is not too far from Bloomsburg. Oh, yeah. So we spend, a lot of, we spend a lot of time out that way. And um, it was cool to get to be on a show in a different place. And let me tell you a funny story about Quaker Steak. Um, I can't remember if it was this show or the February show that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But after the show, we went to Quaker Steak to hang out. And they had this gimmick where if you ate the hottest wings, you got like a t-shirt or something. Yeah, yeah, not worth it. So Eric <laughs> did it. Um, but he didn't pay the extra for the t-shirt. So when he asked what he got, they said... Well, you get your name in this book that says that you did it. And Eric looks, Eric Pinhat, um, member of the Diamonds and Dwarf Machines, longtime ringside photographer and, and wrestler, well, just looks at the waiter and goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, so seriously unimpressed. Uh, we used to have a Quaker steak in Scranton, and it closed because it was not great. <laughs> I, I I love Quaker Steak. I've been working with Quaker Steak quite a bit be- between the tattoo shops and um, just I don't know. I'm 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 like a social whore when it comes to like small town shit around my area. And I was really good friends with the events coordinator um, that had worked there at the time. So both of the shows they wanted to work with us and they set us up with like a discounted rate. I don't know. It was really cool. We didn't normally get a whole lot of treatment like that and and when you come to a small town um and you really show out you know they they, they have a tendency to put you over and uh and to really take care of you at the restaurant so um, and i was very grateful for that i i will say um anytime i've gone to the bloomsburg one it's always been a very good experience but the scranton one was was not nearly the same and, yeah blue's uh, a special creature they're a quaker steak and they don't mess around no and um it's some place that Ashley's dad liked to go a while ago. Uh, not so much anymore, but we used to frequent there periodically. Back, especially when they first opened in the first few years that they were open, we would go there. Um, but before we get to that next Bloomsburg show, mm. a new tag team is formed. Yes. And this tag team is part of the culture of charisma. <laughs> You got John doing his thing at Supremely Great, mm-hmm. and you have you and Gus as BYOB. And we're going to talk about a couple matches here uh, that set you guys up as the tag team champions. First is the the WXW special, the multi-man match. Uh, we talked about it two weeks ago when Bo was on, the six-way scramble match. And in the tag division, it was always the four quarters match. The four quarters. Uh, December first. I, I hate and love at the same time. By the way, <laughs> I can't imagine why. I know I always have to find some place to just kind of like hide because I feel yeah. like I'm always in the way. So December first, 2012, BYOB, TDS, and the Mastodon take on 
the tag team of AC Anderson and Havoc, Black Wall Street, and the team of Justin and Dustin Carino in match 635. And that leads to you winning the tag titles on January 5th, 2013 from AC Anderson and Havoc in match 638. Both of these are in Allentown. Let's talk about the build to the tag titles and the formation of BYOB. All right, so... Culture Charisma, um, we have been running that gimmick for a hard while, and Trotsky has this ability, anytime he's in WXW, doesn't matter which variation thereof, to um, push boundaries until he gets fired. And then, like, two days later, he'll be hired again. You know, it's it's just been the song and dance that we've all gone through for years. Um, and... He had kind of, like, distanced away from WXW for a bit, and me and Gus were kind of doing our own thing, and we had started tagging against Lance and Mikey Valentino in a couple spot matches, um, just kind of like, basically, Lance was going to stop the bullying. You know, he beat me, He they beat us as a tag We beat them once as a tag team, then they beat us. We went back and forth, and I, I guess we had a little bit of chemistry. We were starting to figure out ways to work together, and at the time, we started living together, too. So Sam's like, let's just ride this. And January 1st, 2012, was actually the, the four-corner. was actually the tag title match. That's the night we won the titles because we joked that we stole them. Um, okay. So December it, 1st of 2012. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the fifth would have been their obligatory rematch. Uh, because that's the rules of professional wrestling, even though they're not written anywhere. Um, (laughs) So at this point, BYOB was heel. We were wearing all black with some red highlights, so we looked like everybody on the indies. And um, Gus and I also weren't big fans of the four-way tag match because it's just like a big schmoz. So Gus and I decided we weren't going to participate. We walked around outside the entire match and let the other three teams work because they really wanted to get all their shit in, and we didn't really care, because we didn't even have shit yet. And then when it got down to Black Wall Street and Carino's got eliminated, it got down to AC and Havoc, the Southside Terminators, we snuck in and basically stole it. We stole the match. We stole the titles and powdered out, and that's how our title reign began. And then on the 5th, we had the uh, BYOB versus Southside Terminators, which was AC Anderson and Havoc rematch. Um, I, I really enjoyed working those guys because they knew what they were doing. And at the time, I was still getting my feet back under me. And this was also my first real foray into organized tag team matches. So this was the first attempt at being a real tag team. And um, working with, with, with Junior and Gary was, was a blast. Um, if I could work with, you know, looking at this list, I'd, I'd love working with them again. Just the opportunity to tell stories. Yeah. Very grateful. And then uh, I guess we go from there to Bloom. We do go to Bloom, yeah, because now you are deep into this feud with AC Anderson and Havoc, and you wind up wrestling Anderson in a dog collar match that was not supposed to be AC Anderson. Right. So... I was, we were going back to Bloom, so it's my hometown, and, and this is where ego starts to pile up because I'm thinking that, and this is, there's a whole lot of I statements which should tell you where the problems start. Um, 
I was thinking that I had to step the shit up and I had to find a way to heal out even bigger than I did working Sam. Um, and I was going to work a dog collar match with Cage. Cage, for anyone who is unfamiliar, was the K in Team CK. Cage and I had some history going back to about 2002 where he busted my head open accidentally. And I still love him, um, but I love to give him shit for it. So we were going to book this dog collar match so we could squash the beef. And, again, it was all ego. It was me trying to get over something that was 10 years beyond relevant and wasn't even relevant anyway. But Sam was going to let me do it. And last minute, Cage was unable to make it. And what I should have done was, like, pulled the plug on that match and just, like, completely re- reset. But instead, I was adamant about having a dog collar match because it was my favorite kind of match. And my ego was like, give me what I want. <laughs> so since we had just done the bit with Havoc and AC and we didn't really have anything for Gary lined up, he pretty much volunteered to take the spot. But he advised me on the day of, hey, man, this is your hometown. You should let me work you. And I didn't want to hear it because in my mind I had it worked out. I had the answers. And he told me like four or five times. He was pretty – he's always polite about it. He was never like a dick, but he was just like, hey, you should let me let me heal out on you. No, 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 I can do this. I, uh, these people will turn on me. And we go out there, and um, the best part of that match were the photos. Because um, then you can't see how bad it was. Because the crowd did not buy me as a heel at all. And they weren't behind him as a baby face at all. And we get about halfway through, and I'm just miserable because it's not going well. And I knew that I'd fucked up. And Gary just leans over and he's like, I'm going to heal out on you now. And I was like, okay. And he was right. And we've since discussed that. I've told him, I was like, I, I apologize. I should have listened to you. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, any dog collar match is a fun time. I, it just is for me. I love throwing chains around. Um, it, it's an easy story for me to tell. There's like 15 different things I can do out of that chain. There's so many different fun spots to pull with it. Um, there's different ways to work the dog collar match. I'm available for dog collar matches with select opponents at the right promotions, the right stories, just throwing that out there. Um, I believe Johnny Moran's on the short list of people that want to have a chain thrown in their face. So uh, I'm always up for that. If anybody's listening and wants to see Johnny Moran have a chain thrown in his face, uh, I'm your Huckleberry. I have worked a couple dog collar matches. I think two or three for sure. And my favorite memory of this dog collar match is the photo that was taken by one of the best wrestling photographers I've ever known, Johnny G. It is the cover art for this episode. Is it the black and white one where, like, I'm ominous in the background and you're in the foreground? Yes. I love that photo. It looks like a horror movie poster. It does. And for some of these people in Bloomsburg, 
a dog collar match is like a foreign language when it comes to wrestling. Oh yeah, the, look, small towns like Bloomsburg or Danville or Berwick, uh, out towards like Muncie, like they're bigger towns, but they're small towns. They'll come to a wrestling show because it's something that never happens. And they're people, they're the ideal fans. They're not like all smart to the business. They still have a lot of questions. So you can do shit that you can't do in Philly anymore. You can't do with your online crowds anymore. I love working these small town crowds. Love it. Because to them, they're just there to see a show. They're there to see something different. They don't have the expectations that some of the other fans may have. And they tend to get a little louder and rowdier because they just, they don't get all the nuance and it's perfect. It's amazing. And I love it. And that was our last time in Bloomsburg. Yeah, there was fire in the venue and they couldn't run anymore. Plus, we didn't really want to take the ring up two flights of stairs up that spinning staircase anymore. That sucked. Bo and I reminisced about that not so fondly when he was on the show two weeks ago about getting the ring up those stupid stairs. Yeah, not fun, not fun at all. I would love to, and if anybody runs Bloom, let me know. I would love to help you out. Just throw me on the show somewhere. Um, I would love to have more shows in Bloomsburg. I have no idea who wants to run down that way, um, but I tell you that as a town, it's, it's worth the effort. Well, I mean, I can tell you that I'll be coming up in a couple weeks, July 31st, in Berwick at True Wrestling. Yes, and I'll be there. Um, Who knows? Maybe maybe you'll see. Maybe we can talk someone to let me uh, uh, bully around um, Seymour Green or something like that. So the next two matches we're going to talk about here, uh, or the next group of matches we're going to talk about here before we head into our to our break, are involving tag teams from the state of New York that found their way into WXWC4. We have matches with a team at that point known as First Class, uh, Brute Van Slyke and Kevin Graham. Uh, this we have May ninth twenty. I'm sorry, March ninth, twenty thirteen. Match six fifty three, and then August third, twenty thirteen. Match seven oh one. Both in Allentown, and in the meantime, there's also a match with Carr and Cage. Uh, Sean Carr specifically and Cage. Team CK. Match six seventy nine. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, twenty thirteen. May twenty fifth. Let's talk about this influx of New York talent. So at the time, I had the opportunity to help Sam with the book, and um, it was it was booking by committee, and the biggest contribution that I could bring um, mostly was my ability to find talent. And being that Gus and I were were pretty deep in the tag division, and we were tag champs at the time, I, I wanted to find good opponents. You know, I didn't want to just be thrown together two bums that were sitting around a locker room that didn't have anything else to do. You know, I wanted to do a real tag division because I have always felt, I still feel this way that WXW and WXWC4, um, they should be the icon, the, the figurehead of what you want tag team wrestling to be uh, with the pedigree of tag team wrestling that comes through that family and has come through that school I've seen a lot of very successful tag teams working through WXW, and I've 
also use that in conversation uh, as to to help draw people in to come work here or to come work there because of tag team talent. I mean, again, the pedigree is just fantastic. So when we were working uh, in the division, I had my eye on two teams. One was Team CK, and again, the aforementioned history with Chuck. In first class, I absolutely wanted a chance to work with them, and we had talked for a while, and plans had shifted on heel versus face versus heel versus face, and then you would have like guys that would show up um, that weren't supposed to be there and guys that weren't or that were supposed to be there weren't showing up. And I think things got muddied at first, but I was very grateful to be able to work with um, Pun and and Graham. Um, Now I will say this though. I have two matches with them. I don't know if concussions or recreations or some combination thereof, but I only remember one match in detail. And that was one where I had been um, trying to help get the cards sorted out because we had a bunch of last-minute changes, and I never really had a chance to call my match. We get over to Gorilla, so they told me that uh, I was taking the heat. Okay. I'm the big guy on the team. I'm the big guy on the babyface team. I, I, I'm the hot tag. Um, I never take the heat. But I get it. I'll take a rib, you know. I'm, I'm down. So I told him, I was like, just, just work my leg. And actually, a video of that, it's one of the matches I'm most proud of. Because I got put on the spot, um, because I didn't make it a priority to be where I should have been. Uh, but I got put on the spot, and I was able to perform. And um, I had a lot of fun working with uh, those guys, both of those teams. Again, if I could go back and, and rework matches with people, if I could work programs again with, with certain individuals, Pun Van Slyke, Kevin Graham, Team CK, uh, Havoc and, and Anderson, I would, I would work with any of those guys any day of the week. Um, it's such a blast. Never once did I ever feel unsafe. Uh, if anything, I was probably the craziest one out there. And, I will say I was always excited to get the work get to work these matches. Um I was responsible for connecting you with Hun and Graham. Yes. Because they were they were GSW guys. So when the call went out, hey we need tag teams, they were the first people I called. I was like, Hey guys, I may have something for you. So, you know, I do my homework on who hangs out with who and who works with who. So I figure you drop enough comments around the right people, something's bound to pop out. And without disappointment, um, we always take care of each other. You you guys got me uh, connected to the right people so I can talk to Pun. Because nobody ever talked to Kevin. Nobody ever talked to Graham. Um, it was always just deal through Pun. Yeah, um, because Kevin was in college and Kevin was busy and, and, and Mike would set up all the bookings and it, it just worked out. So I was glad to have them on board because there were people I knew. Chuck and Sean were already in the company as it is. Yeah. So, and like, I've known Chuck as long as you've known Chuck. 
And I have known Sean pretty much since right in his early days in the business when he was training at what was 3DW is now Excite Wrestling. So these are guys that I knew from other places I was working. I was glad to be able to share a locker room with them. Uh, Congratulations, Chuck, on the addition to your family. Um, Absolutely. Awesome. I don't know if he'll listen to this, but if someone hears it and can let him know I said that, I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, and I'm always excited to see what Sean Carr is up to. He has been consistently entertaining since the day I found out about him. I believe that it was a lot of him and Gus coming up with a finish to, I believe it was the match that you uh, uh, um, refereed for us, the one where we lost the titles. Yes, because that leads into the next view. I love how the segues on this happen. Yeah, because the third versions of Neon were the ones that came out and interfered and threw powder in my face and let Gus get uh, super kicked and pinned by the thieving rats known as Team CK. And we're going to talk about those Neon turds in just a little bit. Uh, at this point, we're just going to take a quick break, let you hear some ads from some other podcasts. You are listening to By the Numbers here on CKCC Radio. It's the most successful independent wrestling promotion of this generation. It's the place where the stars of today made their name. Now get the inside story of Ring of Honor from those that lived it with an honorable mention. Join Ring of Honor alumni Shane Hagedorn and his co-host Jeff Schwartz as they break down a classic Ring of Honor event every Tuesday and get the behind-the-scenes scoop and inside stories that you won't hear anywhere else. An honorable mention available every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. For exclusive bonus content, plus early ad-free access to every show, check out patreon.com slash an honorable pod. Hi, this is Anthony from the IWEP Network. We're a collection of weekly podcasts that vary in all different types of topics. We can be found on all social media, as well as any podcast or music app that you may use, as well as YouTube. We go live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch every Friday and Sunday. Here's a lineup of our five shows that you may be interested in. Interviews with Everyday People. Interviews and conversations on a positive note and just getting to know each other. Everyone has a story. Bangin' Beers podcast, beer reviews, hanging out with some friends, and much more. Truth behind illusion. Are you into ghosts, monsters, conspiracy theories, and more? Then this show will be for you. Tornado Tag Podcast. Pro wrestling stories, news, and show reviews. We love supporting indie wrestling, so come check us out. Not Cool in High School Podcast. A pop culture show where we cover movies, television, comic books, and video games. A weekly topic. So come hang out with us. We would love to hear from you. Follow us on all social media, and we'll see you soon. Greetings, folks. Do you like beer? Do you know who I am? Maybe not. My name's Kev, also known as Irish Kev. And then my dear friend Rick and myself actually really were supposed to have a cool promo for our beer review podcast known as the Hooligans of Hops, where Rick and myself take you through a drunken journey of all of the beers that we try. On a scale point twenty-five to five being the best, we talk about the best and worst beers we've had on the show. In between, you hear sports banter, some wrestling, and... I don't know anything that happens when we get drunk. So check out our show on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, Buzzsprout, and anywhere you can get your podcast sources. We'll try not to get drunk next time and do something for you. But here's the promo. Thanks. I'm Jason. And I'm David. And we're the hosts of the Non-Nerve Sports Podcast. 
where the home of sports talk for everyone. Join us bi-weekly as we talk about the happenings in sports. You can find the Another Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts. We are back here on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Matt Derline hanging out with the Mastodon, um, currently representing Sanctuary Stunt Studio, and we're going to come to that in a little bit. But before we get there, before we want to break, we talked about couple uh, jerk-offs in neon that cost you and Gus the tag team titles. Yeah, and most of my brain cells. I blame them. And that, th- those um, those uh, guys in, in the neon with the shake weights, they are known as the extra guys, JP, Mint Mike Mitchell, and we've got four matches to talk about here. And really, I'm surprised it's only four. Because that's like one twenty fifth of the amount of matches we worked with them, I feel like. Yes. And it begins the month before you lose the tag titles, which is probably what prompted the tag title switch. Uh, We got April 13th, 2013 in Allentown, match 665. We've got August 4th, 2013. We're in Orwigsburg, uh, a Snitskyville show, match 703. And then we're in, a, in the middle of a field in Hamlin at the Big Daddy Dog Fest, match 712, August 17th, 2013. And then this is still going, August of the next year, nearly one year to the day, April 12th, 2014. This is the feud that doesn't end. Yes, it match, goes on and on, my friend. Match 7.59. So we had... Like we could do this match in our sleep. By, uh, by yes, point. yes, and and honestly, you'll see a lot of different towns on that list. Uh, two Allen towns, a Hamlin, and an Orwigsburg. However, we did this match in a lot more towns, and realistically, we we went kind of old school. So what happened was, we had what you could only call unfortunate chemistry. <laughs> so there were these guys that Gus was working with up at Backbreakers, up at Glories, uh, who he had been friends with. Well, he was friends with one of them, and the other one was just kind of there. Um, and by happen chance, we got him into WXW. In fact, Redbeard um, was mini Mastodon on at SportsFest a couple years prior. He came out with black singlet, black boots, uh, with a mohawk, the beard, and Gus took Sharpie and drew tattoos all over him. And he came out as this like mini version of me, and he, this motherfucker paintbrushed me. So I clotheslined his face off and then dropped him on his head with a DD. And that's what set up the whole Jogo, Jogo Mez dog collar match, which was still my favorite match of all time. But anyway, they had been waiting for an opportunity to get into WXW and something had come open and we could, you know, we got them in and they got over and that wasn't supposed to happen. And we got stuck working with them and we ended up taking that match to a bunch of different promotions. So really what we ended up doing is working one match. And then we started developing some click into place Lego piece type pieces to the match you could swap out this spot for that spot 
you know, uh, we were in Allentown, in Allentown we switched it up because that's the, you know, where we did it the most often, but everywhere else, if we were going to a new town, we treated it like a house show and we would go out and we would do the normal shtick. And yeah, um, let's see. The first one, we were tag champs, but we never in, like, it was never announced whether or not they were actually on the line. Um, that was the 4-13-13. That was actually a pretty hot one. Then Orwigsburg was a lot of fun. Orwigsburg was when we had this shit on automatic. And, and we would get to the show and Gus would watch to see where the crowd sit and he would like legit pick the side, like we would look for hard cam and then, and where are the girls sitting? Cause that's where he was doing the dive to. He's, he's like married now, so, you know, this was before then, so I'm not getting him in trouble. Um, <laughs> we just went out and had fun. Uh, we, we, we worked very comfortable. We worked to give the crowd a good time. Um, but if we're going to be honest, I didn't really care for working with the extra guys. For, for one, the same match all the time was boring. And for two, they could only do so much. I mean, they were greener than goose shit at the time. Neon green. Mike Mitchell does not know how to pull anything. Um, I, that shake weight to the forehead was stiff every time. I'm pretty sure that's where a bunch of my other uh, brain cells went to. And in the past few years working with Mike um, at Backbreakers and a couple other places, Mike has – Really come into his own. He does a lot of really good work now. And part of the reason I think that the pairing was so natural was because Redbeard and Gus, I believe, went to high school together. Something like that. They were really close friends from childhood. I know that. So that chemistry was built in and, like, transferred to you and Mike to make that match. And I don't know... How, by the time we got to Allentown the next year, I still wasn't seeing that shake weight, because it was literally the fucking finish every time. I don't know how you didn't see it. They should have been disqualified. Every time, they couldn't go over clean. They couldn't beat us clean. They never did. They were never able to beat us individually or as a tag team clean. Because you get all in the stripes. My zebra friends never saw the shake weight. Or the protein powder to the face. And I, that, I mean, such a visual. I don't know how you didn't see that. Well, I mean, probably. But I, don't hate, I know you were out there doing your job. I'm, I'm, I'm not a hater. Uh, probably one of them was distracting me. I don't know. It, it's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to point out the Hamlin show um, because that's not even two weeks after Orwigsburg, we're up doing Hamlin and we're doing the match again. And I rewatched this recently and I laughed through it because I, it looks like it's about 120 degrees outside. It's an outdoor show. The crowd could really care less. And I'm not wearing boots. I must have decided that it was too hot. And I wasn't going to spend 20 minutes lacing them up and unlacing them. So I did the whole match barefoot. Um, and I know that that canvas was hot. Yes. As someone who had to slide across it and count on it multiple times, it didn't feel good. Because uh, this was... Still better than like the movie. When I say the middle of a field, I mean, like, no shade. We're changing behind a, a, a Hertz truck, truck 
and it is just hot. It's August. It's a middle of a field, midday. Not one of our better ideas. You know what the absolute worst part about the whole thing with the extra guys is? Other than actually having to work with the extra guys. The worst part is we never got a payoff. Because during the first time when we were supposed to do a payoff at Sports Fest, I don't remember who got hurt, but one of us got hurt. And then when it came around to, to reboot and to try it again, then one of them was Redbeard and one of them was me. So we never actually got to finish it. Um, I don't really want to. I'm, I'm good on neon. Um, if I want to slap a neon douchebag around, I'll, I'll just hunt down Johnny Moran. <laughs> it's close enough. He did serve as the third extra guy for a while. I know. You know what? I saw him for the first time in a long time at the sanctuary a few weeks ago. And I walked up to him and I shook his hand and I said, oh, look, it's the extra guy I don't hate. And he was just like, damn, that's painful. Well, I mean, you were married to them for a year. Uh, It's not longer. Longer, longer. And it was all on a fluke. And then we just, I don't know why, we took it to other promotions. And there was other ones we turned down too, but that match, I mean, it's, I'm not one to toot my own horn excessively. I'll do a little tweet tweet, but. Um, that match got over, you know, if, if there was, if you had a low spot on the show that you needed to pop up, you throw BYOB on the extra guys on there and we're going to bring that crowd back up. We were volume controlled. You could throw us on early. We'd pop the crowd. You could throw us on right before, uh, intermission and we, we'd let them leave happy. You could throw us on a popcorn after intermission. We'd bring them back to their seats. We were good for anywhere on the card. Except the main event. No, it was not a main event match, but it fit didn't anywhere else. Didn't need to be a main event. Um, it was a good quality match, but it was there was comedy spots. There was a lot of hard hitting. Um, I usually got a good cringe with the DD. Uh, that was always a favorite moment of mine. I just I love hearing the crowd just go, Ugh, calling on my chops. I love when people cringe when I chop. Um, it's just one of the little things that brings me joy. Well, I mean, you're a big dude, so realistically, everyone should cringe when that happens. Yeah. So now, we take a seven-year break. <laughs> and the I most... The most... I had had enough BYOB exercise. I was like, that's how I'm not working with you anymore. Yeah, right. Uh, it's just, I'm done. <laughs> that's, that's it. Done over with. So we come back together two weeks ago at the Sanctuary Sun Studio. This is number 1,110 in the book. This This was June 27th yes. of 2021. Yes. This is us reunited in something that looks like a ring, but has far more padding and one less ring rope. And you are taking on Seymour Green, a proud trainee of the True Wrestling School. Uh, this was as fun and as much as it needed to be. It was everything it needed to be, nothing more. 
nothing less. So yeah, seven years have lapsed. Um, going into this, I, I, I do want to take a moment and, and I know I brought this up when we initially recorded, but I'm going to bring it up again. Um, for the viewers at home that are not in the wrestling world, that aren't behind the locker room doors, the biggest piece of politicking that happens is always who's refing my match. I have had the privilege of working with some of the greatest, and I've had the disprivilege of working with some of the least. And I can tell you that there were always there were two refs that I was always, always, always happy to have, or I politic to have. And that was Chris Levin, uh, who most people should know from well, everything, uh, including Camp Leapfrog, and Matt Derline. Um, I knew that these guys were going to take care of me. They were going to be everything they needed to be, nothing more, nothing less. So when I have Matt at the sanctuary, I made sure to politic to make sure that I was your very first stunt fight. And the history books. Um, This was my first time in a ring on on an event with Seymour Green, and he was so happy (laughs) when he found out that I'd be in there with you guys. Legend, legend. We speak often at the sanctuary in our training about good photographers and good referees. Uh, because both will make or break a show and sell a show. Um, Seymour, so he kind of came, Seymour's, Seymour's my wrestle brother, my little wrestle brother, have adopted him. Um, we were cracking back open at the sanctuary earlier this winter and trying to just get the clouds moving around and trying to get life brought back in the old church. And I reached out looking for talent. We had no idea. We had six people for a show. So we needed a roster. We needed a cast. So I reached out to the different corners that I knew and looking to see who was interested in, in doing anything, who, who wanted to work down at the sanctuary. What can we put together? And um, it got way out of hand because now everybody's coming out for it. We love, we're here for it. We love every second of it. We'll try to get everybody involved that we can. Um, but Sour, Sour A, Aaron, Anthony, I was yep. messing up the call. I usually call him Anthony Aaron for some reason. Aaron Anthony, um, I reached out to him and he said that one of the kids at True was looking for a place to work. Because the the school wasn't open, so he sends me Seymour Green. Um, just kind of see, is this somebody we could work with? Is you know, does he need work? You know, where's he at? Because you never know when someone just drops in. You don't know what quality they are, and if you're expecting them to to handle the health and safety of your performers, you need to know who these people are. So he gets in the ring, and then. Me and, and J.S. Hawthorne are in there, and we're just talking to him. And I think Gordy Palco may have been there, possibly. And in comes Billy Walker. And for anybody that doesn't know Billy Walker, he was one of Johnny Rod's head trainers, or he may have been the head trainer for Johnny Rod's for um, longer than I've been in the business. I want to say probably going on three decades. 
And, uh, he comes down to the sanctuary often and, and runs the, um, Runs the quality control, put it that way. So this kid that has never met Billy Walker sees this old man come over and lock up with him, and the rest of us powder out because Billy Walker is a certified badass. And I watched him go through an old school stretching like I haven't seen in years. And the entire time, all I hear from Seymour Green is, yes, sir, no, sir, thank you, I understand. Nothing but politeness and a willingness to learn, and then occasionally he'd scream in agony if he went the wrong way. <laughs> and and his attitude won me over, so, like, I, I kind of like just talk to him every day and, and, and tuck him under my arm and look out for him and give him advice and um, help him rip his matches apart to to find benefit, not just to rip them apart. Um, trying to find ways to, to make him better. And the opportunity popped up just because of available talent where he didn't have anything yet going on, and I always try to book myself last. So I got Seymour Green. I'm happier than hogging shit. I got the guy I wanted to work, my little wrestle brother, in what's going to be a quick match, but I didn't want it to look like a normal squash. And I got a 20-plus a year friend refereeing, or I'm sorry, safety, playing the part of a safety official in our stunt fight. Yeah, I got that right. Yes, good job. Man, let me tell you, like, being in PR mode and watching these words gets a little rough from time to time. It's okay. Let me tell you how hard I had to work uh, to remember to shout 3-2-1 fight instead of call for a ring bell. <laughs> and the whole way, because I, I have friends who work for Sanctuary, many friends, mm-hmm. but I don't, I, I haven't watched a lot of the product before I got up there. I've watched a few matches here and there. And I, I'm driving up there uh, with Pete DeLong, one of the commentators. And I'm just like, is it 3-2-1 or is it 1-2-3? I couldn't remember. <laughs> Before we went with the $5 Fight Club, we were playing around with calling it 3-2-1 fights. Um, and, and that still may pop up. I like it, but I wish there was like like a gong. You know, I'm, I'm hard on this gong. Or a, a train whistle would be fantastic. Um, uh, I, I'm okay with avoiding the ring bell just because I know we're trying to steer clear of it, but I would like to really find like something of its own to, to kind of fill that void. A gong is badass. I'm not going to stop banging that drum. I think we need to do a gong. Especially to signal the end of the stunt fight. Cause me yeah. just counting three and stopping and saying, that's it. Winner. Winner. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need up there. <laughs> A song and dance. Yeah, we'll play around with it. Um, trial and error. A lot of error. Uh, we like to do things different, so um, it's it's fun. The sanctuary is a good time. Uh, but anyway, let me get let me get to this stunt fight real quick. And I promise it doesn't take long because because it was only three minutes. I told Trotsky I only needed three. I don't know if people realize this, but 
Seymour Green is as tall as I am. And I didn't realize that until we stood back to back at training one day. So I didn't want to do what I would normally do with a kid that weighs four pounds like he does, which is just toss him around the ring needlessly, clothesline him, and be done with it. I, I wanted to have a little substance to it. But it couldn't be long. It didn't need to be long. It was opening. It needed to be fast. It needed to be exactly what it was. So I wanted to give him the majority of the offense by sinking the sleeper in. And now there's a funny story of in the sleeper because actually I was going to have him hold the sleeper on for a little bit longer after I stood back up. But as I'm down on one knee on the ground, you see me whack on my own right knee. One of my ligaments subluxed. So I I couldn't move my knee. Um, just uh, for some reason getting down the way I did, just the, the ligament kind of popped out of where it should have been. So we had just gone over the week before in training a way of using leverage to, to help pull each other up. So I just told him I was like lean against me and he leaned against me and I was able to push myself up and you can see me right before he pops up on my shoulder or back on my back again. You can see my leg actually like kind of pop back in and, um, and then I go and I knock him back in the corner. Um, but yeah, uh, he was a champ because he didn't even sweat at all. And I told him, I was like, my knee's fucked. Give me a second. And, and that was me just basically trying to like talk my knee into working again. And then it just, as soon as I stood up, I was like, we'll pop it back out. Um, it's the joys of getting old, I guess. But that clothesline though, I almost felt bad for that one. <laughs> I don't normally feel bad, but when I watched it back again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. It looked like he got hit by a car. And then I giggled, then I watched it back again. But, yeah, uh, working with Seymour was fun. I'm definitely not done. He's a kid that I'll be willing to work anywhere, anytime, anyplace. Um, I'm a big fan of his. I know he's going to go a long way as long as he keeps listening, which he's doing a great job of so far. Absolutely. He has the right attitude and um, the right work ethic to continue to to push himself. And even in just the year that that he's been working at this, I'm proud of the progress that he's made. As that kid who I remember coming to the first couple shows at the True Mill and just let himself get ragdolled around just to to learn before shows. If he knows someone's in the sanctuary and he's not doing anything, he's down there. And even if he's working on something on his own, he's working on something. Um, he's he's a hustler. He's a worker. Um, he's smart. He knows how to break things down in his mind. He just needs a little bit of guidance to see certain things. But once he does, he, he's a sponge, too. Um, I, I see big things for that kid. And I really do hope he continues and, and does really well. Um, and he will be... I don't know if he's on the card, but I know he'll be at True Wrestling coming up on July 31st in Berwick, Pennsylvania at the Salvation Army as we crown a new True Wrestling champion uh, recently vacated by uh, the chubby daddy, Daddy of the Galaxy, Trajan Horn. Daddy of the Galaxy. Can can I put something over again really quick? Yeah, sure. Um, yesterday, as that's when this comes out, uh, we will have had a tournament and one of the teams on there is the Flatmates. The Flatmates are AJ Evers and Trajan Horn. 
And if you were not there to enjoy yesterday, I highly recommend you going over to Facebook or YouTube and rewatching the tournament, if nothing else, just for the joy and privilege of the flatmates. As someone who knows Trajan as well as I do and knows AJ as well as I do, I can only imagine what this is going to be like. <laughs> they got the green light to be fun, exciting, and weird. Okay. Sounds yeah. about right. Yep. Yeah, I don't know what kind of blank check was handed out. I guess we'll find out when we get to the future when this airs. I may be yes. sitting there going, well, that was a terrible idea. But as of the recording of this, I think it's genius. <laughs> uh, and I'm grateful that John Trotsky is allowing us to do this. I do, I do want to make sure that I make mention of the Frank Trotsky Senior Memorial Tournament. Frank is still alive. We're just not going to wait to memorialize him. Okay. And you know what? I was just calling it the Frank Trotsky Tournament basically because it came up in our roster page on Facebook that Frank is not dead. <laughs> Yeah, that's not that. There's a, there's a, there was a whole bit that was played yesterday to explain Frank. Okay. So weird. And, and because, um, yeah, but to, to explain where, where Frank points out that he's not dead yet, you mother Frankers. And I'm sure he told John to go Frank himself, um, because that's, that's the gag. <laughs> and it's because, really, with Frank Trosky on, it's my favorite part of the show. And because as this is airing, I am still in Ocean City, New Jersey. I was not there to partake in this. <laughs> so I will have to go back on Facebook, look up the sanctuary on Facebook or on YouTube and go back and watch the footage. Are you going to be – you're not going to be at Mania either, are you? No. Um, I have tickets to go see the New York Mets. So Avery and I are going to City Field to see the Mets. I want to see a team from New York that doesn't suck. That's right, and for once, it's the team that I like. Uh, though, though they did split the doubleheader as we're recording today with Milwaukee, but that's okay because they took two of three, and Degrom was Degrom this afternoon, so that's all that matters. Well, that's fantastic. As long as long as we give Degrom some run support. Um, well, it was a no decision again. <laughs> the the curse of the man who should already have 125 wins in his career. Two pitchers are going to win the MVP award this year. Shohei Otani in the American League and Jacob DeGrom in the National League. DeGrom is just incredible. I hope he's pitching on the 25th when I take Avery. It's it's nuts. He's so good. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Gangster recognizes gangster, and that man's got some gangster. And and this is after a couple weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago today as this airs, uh, that I was at Fenway Park. Yeah, I saw that. Who did you? Uh, who were they playing that you saw? They played Kansas City, and in the bottom of the second, they were losing five to one, and they won six to five. It's a hell of a comeback. I it was to Fenway, but I'll probably get my ass kicked because I will be obnoxiously pinstriped out. And I mean, people do that. Like I was when we were there, there were a couple people uh, in royal stuff. And, I mean, that happens. I, I went to um, Citizens Bank Park in, in my Mets gear a couple months ago <laughs> with Kit Raff uh, and with, with Brad and Kit Raff's mom. We, we drove down <laughs> and went to a Mets-Phillies game in, in Philly. And I was, I was in my Mets gear. 
usually when we go to Baltimore, it's all Yankees doubt, but so is the rest of that stadium. It's basically the summer home. Uh, and I like Camden Yards. I was there once like 20 years ago, but I'd, oh, I'd love to go field. back. Beautiful field. And they pretty much give the tickets away at this point. Well, yeah, they're really bad. Oh, my, every year they're so terrible. They're so bad, like you feel bad for them. It's like the Yankees are awful, but they're still better than the Orioles. I mean, it's not a high bar to clear. We could start a sanctuary, like, slow-pitch softball team, and we'd be better Probably. than the Orioles. Probably. Probably. So we will be seeing you more at the sanctuary this year, correct? Yes. I, I should be able to make at least a couple more dates. I don't have anything definite yet, but I'm working on getting back there a couple more times. I had heard something different for this tag tournament. It was supposed to be at a different time. So I was definitely lining myself up for that for sure, and now it's yesterday. So Well, so funny story um, about booking in the modern era. Everybody wants to be a heel. So we had on the marker board the list of available talent that we had already confirmed because we didn't even do an open casting call for these two shows. Um, the outpouring of interest from all over the region of people wanting to be involved in the sanctuary has been phenomenal. And we're trying to get as many people brought in, but we don't just want to drop people in for matches and then dump them off and never, you know, see them again. We want to tell stories. So it's like we take little spurts of people at a time. And anyway, we looked at the marker board and it's all covered in heels. And John and I are like trying to look at matches and go, is this going to work? Well, maybe. Is that going to work? Uh, jumping out. And he looks at me, and he's like just tapping on his nose, tapping on his nose, tapping on his nose. He goes, you know what we have? And I said, what's that? He goes, we have a tag team tournament. And we just started seeing the tag teams on there and, and getting good laughs at them. Like the, the new age settlers. I mean, taking an old classic team of John West and Angus Bedford, now Tommy Vex, and throwing them back in the team together. That's fun. That's just fun. And then you make them the new age settlers just as a player in the old DX team. Um, Kit Raff with his mystery partner, which I can't spoil because I can't spoil at the time of recording for various reasons. And um, anyway, uh, anything with Kit Raff and coaching, it's going to be fun. So there's just a whole bunch of fun to be had and stories to be told. So we did that. That's not to say there won't be another tag team tournament. Fair enough. Um, so those shows, the the five five dollar um, five dollar Fight Club, they are biweekly on Sundays. So one was yesterday, and Mania is the twenty fifth of yes. July. Mania is the 25th of July. It's the finale. So when we do our filming for the year, we uh, at the end of July, we split that. So that'll be the end of season 10, and then we'll go into season 11. So there's two seasons filmed per year with a split halfway through. It gets confusing, but so does everything at the sanctuary. <laughs> shoot, brother. To plug a couple other things. We already spoke of July 31st at True Wrestling in Berwick. Um, after that, my next ma- my next shows are the following weekend. August 7th, I'm in Johnson City, New York at Excite Wrestling. Big show lined up there um, at the Oakdale Mall at their venue called The X. 
And then the following day, August 8th, I am at IWTV 100 at the H2O School in Williamstown, New Jersey. This will be the 100th defense of the IWTV championship. That is fantastic. So proud of uh, Jerry and everybody over at IWTV. So am I. Like, it is – the work that they do there is incredible. It it just – this brings so many more opportunities to independent wrestlers and wrestling promotions, um, ways to, to increase revenue opportunities to keep them alive. The more options we have as performers and as consumers, in my opinion, the better. I think wrestling's better when it's competitive, but not dickishly competitive. I, I think it's better when there's options and there's things for everyone. And I'm glad to be a part of something that is definitely unique. And may not be for everyone, but it's definitely a lot of fun for just about everyone. And I know it's a lot of fun for us involved. Absolutely. And it's the kind of place that I'm definitely going to go back to when my schedule allows. Um, speaking of IWTV, if you go to IWTV as a new subscriber and use the code word numbers, it lets Jerry know that you were referred by this show. So make sure that you do that when you sign up. Right now there's not a promotion, but the code words are still active. As far as other podcasts go, uh, there are three podcast networks that we speak very highly of. Of course, the first being CKCC Radio, which is the network that this show is on, as well as the A Show with myself and Chris Decker. Uh, the shows alternate weeks, so... As of this recording, you can go to the Twitter at the A Show on CKCC and see who won last week's episode uh, between myself, Chris, and Joey Image. As we record, I'm in the lead. As you should be. Next week, joining us uh, to draft 2007 TNA will be the Moonlight Sun, Mike Skyros. He is out of Syracuse, New York, and he is awesome. He is a lot of fun. Looking forward to having him on the show. Uh, we got plenty of other shows on, on the network, and you can check those out at ckccradio.com. Also, make sure you uh, check out soon-to-be-named-network.com and check out all of the shows there. They are all major supporters of uh, the A-Show and uh, by proxy by the numbers, because I'm on this one as well. <laughs> but uh, they've very much been very supportive uh, of us joining the podcast community. Also check out our friends at the IWEP Network. Anthony runs a pretty good program over there. Uh, all sorts of different shows, so make sure you check that out. Uh, you can check out the Hooligans of Hops with Irish Kev and Rick. You can check out Not Another Sports Podcast with Jason and David. Also, the Brain Wreck Podcast with Kevin the Man Graham and Jason Axe. That is on YouTube. Uh, that's video-based. And then also an honorable mention with Shane Hagedorn uh, from the first class of the Ring of Honor Training Academy and Jeff Schwartz. So, Rosh, where can people find you on the Internet? You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Rosh Dangit. That's R-O-S-H Dangit, D-A-N-G-I-T. I have a Twitter, but I'm not very active on it. I'm terrible. I should get active. I don't do the TikToks. Um, I'm too old for that. Um, you can also find me and my handiwork on um, the Sanctuaries page. Um, 
I do a lot of the graphic design that goes up there. You can see what we're doing there. That's at facebook.com slash sanctuary PA. And you can see more of our videos and our live streams and all of our wacky antics at youtube.com slash sanctuary PA TV or by going to sanctuary stuntstudio.com. And of course, the sanctuary is located at 172 North Wyoming Street in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. It is a beautiful old stone church, and we do have new student training beginner courses and uh, advanced training options available as well. So uh, go on down and check out what we've got going on. At the very least, we'll show you a light show and brag about our lights because it's very cool. And it is unlike any venue that you will ever see. And I've worked in a lot of really cool places in my day, a lot of really historic buildings, a lot of really neat setups, uh, but nothing quite like the sanctuary. It's, there is no place like it. I'm I'm blown away constantly. I was just down there earlier tonight uh, working out with Tommy Bex. And just the fact that we get to train in that facility is just – it's beyond it's beyond it's beyond ridiculous it's just when you're laying on the mat and you're looking straight up and you are literally looking at a portrait of Jesus while you're in the middle of training sweating your face off at 95 degrees it's just surreal it's completely surreal i love that place um come down and check it out 5 dollar fight club it, we we have it two sundays a month although we've got a big announcement on that coming up soon um, we're going to start having some more $5 fight clubs. We also have a season pass available that for $50, you get access to every single show we do all year. Um, so it's all the $5 fight clubs, all of the first Friday sanctuary, um, full contact variety shows, um, which if you've never been to a full contact variety show, check one out on our YouTube. It's the first Friday of every month. It's free. Um, our core cast of performers at the Sanctuary, we do non-stunt show events. Um, we've done a drag show. We did just an American game show. Um, we've got one coming up at the beginning of next month, which will be a, um, a barbecue party. We've got some, some announcements coming out about that. But it's just like a mix-up of pro wrestling puppets and bullshit. Um, that's about the best way I can put it. It's a lot of fun, and we want to start doing more shows on our other Sundays, so um, stay tuned. We're going to have a lot coming at you. But, yeah, you need all of that for 50 bucks. We just try to keep the lights on. You know, that's, that's all. The only reason we charge anything at all is just so we can keep the lights on and the doors open. So no one's out here trying to get rich off anybody. These are all volunteers. These are people that just love to entertain and perform and it's a lot more fun when there's people out there. So come on down for a five dollar fight club, drop five bucks, and uh, come have a good time. Absolutely. With all of that said, two weeks from now, by the numbers, will be back. I don't have a guest lined up yet, but I will. Someone will be on. Don't worry. <laughs> um, Who and out of our crew have you not had yet? I have had a lot of people on this show and I'm looking to diversify things a bit because I was kind of running into where I, I enjoyed having all the guests, but a lot of the matches were repeated week after week just from someone else's viewpoint. So like last time I had Bo and that was great. 
tonight I have you, and that's awesome because all these matches we talked about have barely been discussed. You know, I mean, I've never worked Bo in my life, and he's one of my favorite workers on the planet. It's so funny that you say that because every single person that Bo has come up on this show and has talked about Bo has mentioned that he is one of their favorite people. And I echo that. Bo is one of my favorite people. So well, naturally. Next time, you, next time you're sharing smoke signals with him, because I know that's the only way he communicates with the outside world, um, let him know I said what's up and that he's still one of my favorite professional wrestlers. Of all time. Well, he will be defending his, the, the true wrestling tag titles on July 31st. He then I will, I will probably hug him to death. So that's probably going to happen. He and Bull Hightower taking on Sean Silence and Big Aaron Nasty for the true wrestling tag team titles on July 31st. I'm definitely going to come down and visit. There's a lot of people that I just need to see. Yes. As for you and I, I want to thank you for joining me here this week on By the Numbers. This has been awesome to reminisce and, and take this trip down memory lane. Such a pleasure, and I hope at some point we have to do an addendum to add many, many more. Yeah, this is... this. This list is going to grow. It's obviously not going to shrink. That's not possible. Yeah, but no, one... <laughs> no. We only had one match shrink off of here, and we don't need to talk about that one. Yeah, and that's fine. Um, so, thank you for joining me, and thank you to the listeners. Uh, I will see you back here next week for the A-Show. Until then, my name is Matt Erline. This is Ben by the Numbers, and I'll see ya. We are the Glory Boys. We are the Glory Boys.